G'day everyone, you're listening to the Seek Insights and Resources podcast channel. My name is Hamish Coots and today I'm joined by Dr. Amantha Imba, who is an innovation psychologist. She is the author of the Innovation Formula and founder of Australian innovation consultancy firm Inventium. She's here today to talk about what else, funnily enough, innovation. Welcome to you, Amantha. Thanks for having me. Tell me, what led to your passion for helping companies innovate? Well, about nine years ago, I was working in advertising and I was in the industry for about five years, but just got to a point where on Sunday nights, I'd just be filled with this dread right. of having to go to work for the week. So I thought, oh, I've, I've lost my passion for yeah. what I'm doing. I decided to, to give my boss three months notice and thought, I, I want to, like I trained as a psychologist, that's what I'd done my PhD mm-hmm. in, and I just wanted to go back to helping people in a more meaningful way rather than helping people buy more chocolate bars um, yep. as I was doing in the agency. Right. So I, I'd always been really passionate about creativity and innovation, but I've always been a science geek as well. Yep. And what we do at Inventium and, and back when I founded it nine years ago, it's I guess it's it's unique proposition that we bring to the world is taking a scientifically proven approach to driving innovation in organisations, so stripping away all that fluff and uncertainty that comes with innovation. So sure. that's how I ended up where I am right. and what my passions were that led to that. Great. So your book, The Innovation Formula, has pretty recently hit the shelves. Um, tell us a little bit about it and what people can actually learn when they go through and read your book. So I wrote the innovation formula to answer a question that I get asked probably every week at Inventium, which is how do you create a culture of innovation? Mm. Um, I literally get asked that question every yeah. week, as as does my team. And there's there's so much like fluff and rubbish out on the internet about what creates a culture. Like, you know, people t- like say, oh, well, you know, put a foosball in table in the kitchen yeah. and, you know, maybe put some colourful bean bags in your meeting rooms and, you know, people try to replicate Google or sure. Apple and, mm. and, and that stuff just doesn't work. So there's some great science and meta-analyses around what actually has been proven to create a culture where innovation thrives. And my aim with the book was to take that out of academia where it kind of remained hidden and, yes. and bring that to the public so that people knew what what's actually been proven scientifically to drive yeah. a culture of innovation. Yeah. So the book split into 14 chapters that goes into the 14 most impactful drivers. Great. So what's your advice for companies who want to innovate more successfully? Mm. It's, it's an interesting question. Certainly, I would say don't don't rely on people's opinion. I think, okay. unfortunately, in the innovation space, there's a lot of opinions now, right. particularly because it's become such a buzzword. Like mm. everyone's talking about it, not just companies, but government, of course. Uh, and and therefore, you kind of get all these people that have opinions about innovation, perhaps what worked for them at one point in time. Yeah. But the problem with someone's opinion is that there's absolutely no evidence that that opinion will work for your particular circumstance. So, yeah. so my advice is stick with what there's been evidence or science behind where you actually know that the interventions that you're trying to implement in your organisation will actually have an impact on improving innovation. Sure, so yeah. ignore opinion, stick to stick to science Sure, my big bit of advice. And, and conversely, what are some of the biggest barriers that you've seen when you're trying to create a culture of innovation within a company? One of the biggest barriers I see, and most of our clients are quite large corporates, and I think one of the things yep. that they that they have in common is that they're very risk averse. You know, they're they're even though they might talk about how oh we're fine with failure, like you know, the reality is they're yeah. not really that cool with failure. Yeah. Um, and and what we know from research, and and one of the chapters in the book goes into this, is that 
the like a culture where risk taking is supported and encouraged and where mm. failure is not a dirty word yeah. is the fourth most impactful driver of yeah. creating a culture where innovation thrives. Yeah. So it's a very big problem that we see again and again. Um, and certainly in the book, I talk about some different solutions and examples of organisations that are tackling it really well. But I would say that would be one of the biggest barriers we see. And what are some of those great examples? And you talk about corporations mm. where and it's fascinating because you know, accepting failure and almost celebrating failure yeah. and I, I saw you speak in Sydney once and I'm fairly sure you gave an example where a company is actually awarding the best failure of the year or something along those lines. Yeah, so that would be the Tata Group. So right, yeah. so the Tata Group is a huge organisation, about 100,000 employees globally, headquartered in India and they have an annual uh, innovation awards program which is yeah. you know not innovative in and of itself. Most <laughs> companies do that if they value innovation. Um, that's called their InnoVista Awards but one of the categories of awards is called the Dare to Try Awards and the Dare to Try Awards are given out uh, to to ideas or innovations that have been a failure. So they were just they were you know black and white, not a commercial success. Yeah. And the 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 company picks the the best failures where there were really rich learnings that they could apply to improve what they were doing. Yeah. And uh, what I find really interesting, the Tata Group are very transparent about those awards. So you can actually Google Tata Group Dare to Try Awards and you can read about some of the ideas that have won this award, which yeah. I think is just brilliant because it sends that signal out globally to every one of those 100,000 employees that we're okay with failure yeah. and, in fact, we're actually going to reward it. Yeah. Which mm. is great. Yeah. It's awesome. So those listening today, generally from the recruiters or HR professionals, how important are people um, when you're creating the right team in driving innovation? People are really important. So from the recruitment process that your company has through mm. to how you induct people, through to how you train and develop people, all that sort of stuff really matters when it comes to innovation. Um, like, for example, uh, what what I think a lot of recruitment processes don't actually cover is looking at how creative a thinker is the person that you're interviewing. Um, and, and certainly at Inventium, quite a few years ago, we, we developed a psychometric tool called the Creative Aptitude Test that actually measured that with companies that are wanting to cre- recruit um, specifically creative thinkers. Wow. And these days, I mean, with robots threatening to take over so many of <laughs> yeah. the jobs that, that we have that are largely kind of, you know, automatic, um, you know, quite systematic process-driven jobs, like why wouldn't you get a robot to do that? It's really those jobs that, where, where people have to think creatively and problem-solve that are the things that, you know, the robots quite haven't quite cracked yet. Yeah. So so I think it's just so important to think about that when you're recruiting top talent for, for an innovative company. And then, you know, in, in induction and training, there, there are other things that you can do. I think one of the, the most important points to note about innovation and people is that even though the media loves to perpetuate the myth that innovators are born as opposed to bred, yeah. what the research suggests is that you can significantly increase anyone's ability to to become a better innovator. Yeah. And in fact, innovation skills are only 30% driven by your genetics, okay. which means the 70% is up to you. So, yeah. so companies that are investing time and money in actually training their staff and innovation skills, um, you, you, you can see absolutely phenomenal mm. results and uplift there in behaviour. Yeah, sure. Now, a little bit off topic, but at your company, and you've had a little bit of media exposure lately, um, mm. with your decision to offer your staff unlimited um, annual leave, and I'm fascinated, can you tell us a little bit um, why you did it, but more importantly, what you've seen and learned since putting that policy in place? Mm. So what led to that decision? There are a lot of things, and I mean, yeah. it was months of research and thinking, even though, you know, the the, the media kind of makes it look like um, yeah. which is this decision I made one day. Yeah. Uh, but but ultimately, like, one of the things that, um, that drives me are, like, 
a sense of fairness for me is is really important, certainly mm. important to me as a leader and just a, a value of mine. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd been reflecting on employment contracts, um, you know, within Australia and the standard employment contract says that you get four weeks annual leave and you work a 38-hour week. And in management consulting and, you know, mm. we're an innovation consultancy, but broadly in the management consulting industry, mm. um, you know, no one's working a 38-hour week. Uh, and, and no matter, you know, how much, like, you, you kind of, you know, say to staff as a leader, you know, look, guys, don't take work home with you, don't work on weekends. Like, that, that can create more stress and pressure mm. for staff. Yeah. Um, and and so it was just this inequity between, hmm, we're capping leave, but we're not actually capping hours. That seems pretty unfair. So, um, so, so look, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd met with different companies over the last few years that have done that. Like in America, where about 1% of companies okay. have an unlimited paid leave policy of, of so, in some way, shape or form. And I thought, yeah, I think this is this is going to be a, a really effective policy to implement in Inventium to help people get more balance back into the, the, their lives and, and work. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it was is very important in achieving that. And certainly, how we framed it in Inventium is we've called it rebalance leave. Okay. So we still have the four weeks annual leave because you have to by Australian law. There are yep. some things that you can't get around, and we still have to track leave as well, um, which which I wasn't too keen on doing because it felt a bit you know Big Brother um, sort yeah. of tracking the unlimited part, but also. Uh, you know, because we're, we're science geeks, like we yeah. love data and sure. numbers. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's tracking's great because I can, you know, look at it before and after. Yeah. Um, but we called it rebalance leave specifically because it's it's taking above and beyond the four weeks annual leave that you get and that you accrue and that you can, you know, if you haven't used it all, then you, you know, take it if you leave. Um, but the rebalance leave is is sort of above and beyond and it's designed for people to take that when they feel like their life's out of balance, yeah. when they've been travelling a lot for work, working really long hours on a project and they've, you know, potentially wanted to save up leave days for a big holiday. So therefore they, you know, in the past system, they, they couldn't take leave because yep. they'd saved it all up. Yeah. And so now there's there's no sense of this, oh, I can't take leave even though I really need it because I don't have any left or I've saved it. So it's like yeah. take leave when you need it is is essentially the message. Yeah. Which mm. would make you a very popular boss, Samantha, I would have thought. Uh, look, you know, the, yeah. The, it would the, help, like, the no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's fascinating to have you in for a while to talk about innovation, and I think you pointed out it is somewhat of a buzzword at the moment, and, and uh, our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull seems to be out every third day talking innovation, but it's great for our listeners to hear from an expert like yourself what it means and, and how you can help with that. And, of course, the book is the Innovation Formula, and Samantha, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me.